Hey there, and welcome to episode 127 of the Yours Truly podcast. My name is Claire. I am your host and your resident non-diet registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, and I am very grateful that you are joining me here today for yet another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. We took a little break off of the podcast. I say we but I mean I, it is just me here. I took a little break off of the podcast last week, which is why you did not see a new episode as there normally is this past Wednesday, but we are back today with a very special guest who I have actually had the pleasure of meeting in real life before COVID times, but I was able to reconnect with her via Zoom for a conversation that I will be sharing with you here very shortly. And of course, I'm going to introduce her more fully here in a couple of moments. But before we get there, this is the first podcast that I am releasing in March. Let me pull up my calendar. Let me see. If you, yeah, if you're listening to this episode in real time, it is Wednesday, March 3rd. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but March of every year is recognized as National Nutrition Month. And the theme of this year's National Nutrition Month is personalize your plate. So if you are interested in learning about how to personalize your plate, and just learning more in general about nutrition from a non-diet and intuitive eating lens. I, of course, you know, share about that every week here on the podcast, but I am doing a series this week on TikTok. It's going to be a one-week series about how to simplify your approach to nutrition and create a healthy relationship with food. So if you are a TikToker, if you're a on the talks, as they say, I would love to have you join me at Claire Tuning on TikTok. And, you know, not to worry if you are not a TikToker, I will also be sure to share the videos to my Instagram story every day if that is more accessible to you. But on a non-nutrition related note, if you hang out with me on Instagram at all, at Claire Tuning on Instagram. By the way, if you haven't noticed, I keep my handle the same on all social media platforms. So it's easy for you to remember and connect with me wherever it's convenient for you. But if you hang out with me on Instagram, you may remember a couple of weeks ago at this point on a Saturday, I put up something on my story about not having enough hobbies and that, you know, coming to my attention over the past year when we've been in quarantine that I feel that, you know, most of the day I'm either working, talking to my amazing clients or on the weekends, I'm, you know, doing household chores like cleaning and going to the grocery store. But, you know, I've realized in not having as much of a social circle and just being at home more that I was craving a new hobby or something else to do to feel like I could spend my time in just a different and maybe a a meaningful way. So by the, the comments that I received or a lot of the DM responses that I got, you all not only had a lot of great suggestions for hobbies for me to look into, but I also learned that I am not the only person who has discovered this about themselves. And if you too are looking for a hobby, 
I figured I would share here briefly two of the ones that I've started dabbling in, one a little bit more recently than the other, but I have started dabbling in cross-stitching in some needlework. Now, this is something I've been doing for a couple of months, but I find that it's very meditative. You know, once you kind of get it down and you understand the pattern you're working on, I do find that to be fun, and it's something that you can do I don't know, while watching TV, while listening to music, while you're waiting for your baked feta pasta dish to cook in the oven. So that's one if you're interested in something that's a, a little bit more precise and time consuming, maybe you might enjoy if you're feeling the need for a new and a different hobby. And the second thing that I've picked up more recently, I'm actually looking over at my nightstand right now at a book that I have picked up and I honestly could not tell you the last time I read a fiction book from cover to cover. It has been a really long time. Like I am not exaggerating when I say I could not tell you because I, I literally could not tell you. I have typically been more of a, of a non-fiction reader and to be honest reading has just never been my favorite activity. I'm more of a of a listener. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to the world of podcasts, but I started picking up some fiction books and one that was recommended to me was Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And now as I'm recording this intro, I'm only about, I don't know, 75 pages into it, but I have to say I'm really enjoying it and it's such a nice way to just escape into something else into a story, into kind of an alternate world. And I know if I'm uh, speaking to a bunch of readers right now that I'm probably preaching to the choir, <laughs> you guys are probably like, Claire, reading has been around for literally ever and you're just now discovering it. But hey, better late than never. So if you are, again, someone who's looking for a hobby or just something different to do, then I don't know, fiction books might be your thing. Check out Where the Crawdads Sing. But enough about hobbies. We're going to get back on track with our Goal Slayer post of the week. So if you are new here to the podcast, this is typically a segment that I share in the intro of every podcast where I feature a post from our free private Facebook community. So this week's post actually comes from a new member who joined the community uh, only a couple of days ago. So she writes, today I ate breakfast. I am trying to unlearn a habit that I've had for a while since being in high school and starting college where I would not let myself eat before X time in the day because then I would eat, quote, too much over the course of the day. I found that after eating my breakfast, I was able to focus a lot better on the midterm that I had early this afternoon, and I am so glad that I nourished myself in the way that I needed today. So a big shout out to this new member who not only shared this win with our community, but also more importantly, offered her body the, the much needed fuel and nourishment to get through this midterm exam. But if you are listening to me read this and you're thinking to yourself, 
you know, I could really benefit from being in a supportive community where I can read posts like this, I can make posts of my own, I can post questions and tune into live video sessions that I host every Thursday, that I would so love to invite you to our community and have you join us. If you're not already there, the easiest way for you to access the community is to head to my website. So it is clairetuning.com slash community. Again, clairetuning.com slash community, and you will be able to fill out the application that is needed to join. The application is just so that my team and I can get to know more about you, what you're hoping to get out of being in our community, and to offer a couple of ground rules so that we're all on the same page with how the community operates so it stays a safe and supportive place for everyone who chooses to be there. So one more thing before we dive into today's guest and the wonderful conversation that I'm going to share, I also have to share with you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by my online intuitive eating discovery course. So if you have ever wondered how to get started with intuitive eating, what makes it different from dieting? maybe how to break up with your dieting tools like the scale and your food tracking devices, or even how to start reconnecting to your body's cues around food and challenge that voice of your inner food police, then this is the course for you. The course contains a variety of resources that will help you learn how to take those first steps towards having a confident and a free relationship with food. The course includes eight guided coaching lessons that are each filled with real life tools that you can really apply to your life as soon as you listen to each of the coaching modules. You will also get downloadable PDF worksheets following each coaching module that contain key takeaways and journal prompts and activities to help you set realistic goals and take action, most importantly, on what you learn in every coaching lesson. You will also gain lifelong access to a private Facebook community that is exclusively for course participants, where you can ask questions. We have a weekly live Q&A session, and you can also receive group support from myself and, of course, everyone else who is taking the course and who has gone through it before. You'll also get some awesome bonus content. I won't go too much into depth here, but to give you a couple of examples of some of the free bonus content, we have a 20 minute mindful eating module complete with a guided eating experience. There's a 45-minute body image Q&A with my friend and colleague and licensed professional counselor and body image coach Brie Campos, or you may know her as Body Image with Brie on Instagram. And there's things like a resources guide and lots of other stuff there in the bonus section as well. So if you would like to learn more about this course and claim your spot today, you can visit clairetuning.com slash course. That's clairetuning.com slash course. And as a thank you for being a listener of the podcast, 
and for it being National Nutrition Month, I'm going to give you a discount. So typically the discount for podcast listeners is 10% off of your enrollment investment. But for this month of March, it being National Nutrition Month, I'm actually offering $100 off of your investment in the Intuitive Eating Discovery course. So all you have to do is go to claretuning.com slash course. And if you decide that the course is for you, you can enter the code March 2021 at checkout. That is all one word, all together. March is all capitalized. So all caps, March 2021 at checkout for $100 off of your enrollment in the Intuitive Eating Discovery course. This offer is only gonna be good until the end of March, so it's only running for the length of this National Nutrition Month. So if you have been looking at the course, if you've been contemplating it, if it's something that you've had your eye on, then this might be the right time. And if it is, I hope to see you in our course Facebook community very soon. So now, without further ado, I am so incredibly excited to introduce today's podcast guest. Delina Soto is a Spanish-speaking registered dietitian. Delina works as one of the few Spanish-speaking registered dietitians in the Philadelphia area and virtually across the country, teaching her clients how to ditch the diet mentality and keep their culture alive. So like I said, uh, earlier, way, way earlier, maybe about 10 minutes ago, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Delina in the flesh, in 3D, as I say, uh, back in 2019, before COVID was a thing on any of our radars. And she is so vibrant and so energized and full of life. And I know that you will be able to pick up on that from our conversation today. So during our conversation, Delina and I talk about the importance of enjoying foods that are essential to your culture and how to make peace with some of those cultural food staples if they've maybe been demonized by our diet and our wellness culture. She also gives me a little lesson in some of her favorite Dominican foods. So if you are interested in intuitive eating and making peace with your cultural food staples, or maybe even you're just interested in learning about Delina and her culture and some of the amazing foods that she cooks up for her family, then this episode is for you. And without further ado, here it is. Delina, welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. We, uh, we're both snowed in. Yes. <laughs> <Hunkered> down. <laughs> so uh, glad that you can bring a little bit of warmth and joy to my day, at least something different <laughs> than just like being stuck inside. Yes, being stuck in here. Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and hop into this or that. Just some mm-hmm. uh, fun questions for the audience to get to know you before you formally introduce yourself. Sound good? All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. The first one I planned and it was uh, inspired actually by the weather today. So do you prefer hot weather or cold weather? Um, I prefer spring, right? Like that hoodie weather where Uh it's in between where you like leave in the morning and you can wear like a nice little hoodie, take it off in the middle of the day, have like lunch outside, and then maybe in the late evening have to put it back on. (laughs) 
That was a very specific <laughs> answer, but I know exactly you know the, the time feeling. of year that you're talking. I call that like long sleeve and shorts weather. Yes. Right? Yes. Love. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Love. Somewhere in between where you could like live life and not be like too cold, too hot. Just yeah. chilling. Perfect temperature. Perfect temp. Um, <laughs> next one. This one is TV focused. So do you prefer reality television or more of like a fictional drama type of TV? Drama. I watch zero reality TV, which I know is weird because everybody's like, do you watch The Bachelorette? Do you watch this? I'm like, yo, I've never watched any episode of The Bachelorette <laughs> or The Bachelor. I have no idea what it is. I mean, I think the last reality tv show i watched ever in my life was like the kardashians and like the real world like and that was a long time ago <laughs> well let me turn you on turn you on to something i wasn't a huge reality tv fan before quarantine until um tv became one of my <laughs> main hobbies survivor have you ever watched Survivor before? No. No. Never, I, I'm, I'm like, I'd be dead anyway. So like, I don't really care about like this survival thing because I would never survive. <laughs> the crazy thing about Survivor is like these people apply to yes, go live in the middle of nowhere for 30 days. So it's like, no. you really got to be into it. There are a lot of super fans out there, but I have found it. I was never a fan pre-quarantine, but it is oddly entertaining. Like it'll really okay. suck you in. So if you ever decide that you want to dabble in reality TV, mm -hmm, I would mm -hmm. definitely recommend Survivor. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, I don't mind, but I honestly have like zero time to watch TV nowadays. So one day. This is true. <laughs> we, were, we were literally just talking before we hit record for everyone listening. It's like you not only run a business and are a dietitian, but now you have uh, children at home. 24 seven. So your, um, mm -hmm. your schedule is definitely maxed out. I am also a glorified personal assistant for my kindergartner who <laughs> has to do virtual kindergarten. And I have to literally find her handouts, find her scissors. Cause she has no idea how to keep her desk organized yet. Right. Like, I feel like you learned that in school and she hasn't learned that because she's here. Yeah. So <laughs> everything's all over. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense then why um, reality TV is not at the top of your priority list. No, not <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, next question. Do you prefer sweet or savory? If you had to pick one. Savory. Me too. Um, relaxing at home or going on an adventure? And let's pretend that mm -hmm. this is pre-COVID times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely going on an adventure. But depends okay. on the type of adventure because I might pick home if it's something like hiking. Right. Uh, <laughs> you would pick home if you had to go on Survivor. <laughs> yes. Would rather yes. stay at home and go there. I would stay at home. Maybe if the adventure involves like a nice spring day with a sweatshirt yeah, on and off go. type of situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Final question. Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. I have no idea what I'm doing on TikTok. <laughs> As we were None. discussing before <laughs> hitting record. But uh, like I said, it doesn't seem that you don't know what you're doing. So keep doing whatever it is that you are doing. And uh, people are loving it. And we'll, we'll, of course, plug where to find you on all of the platforms <laughs> at the end of our conversation. But uh, enough of this or that. Uh, for those who aren't already familiar with you, would you mind sharing just a little bit about your origin story and what inspired you to become a dietitian and do the work that you now do today? Yeah, so I grew up 
in a very Latino household. I am first generation Dominican American. So Spanish is actually my first language, which is really weird to say that because I feel like I speak English so much more now. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely learned English second. Um, and I grew up in a very intuitive home. And I think that I just, I saw people dieting outside of my home, but it was never really like a thing. Like my mom obviously dabbled in some diets here or there, but it was never something that like I felt pressured to do, or I never felt like a lot of issues around food at my household. So like nutrition was never like ugh, a thing. Like I was just like, mm -hmm. whatever you eat and you move on kind of. <laughs> scenario. And so I actually started school for pre-med. I wanted to be a pediatrician and I'm very lazy. And I waited till last minute to sign up for like a gym class for my, you know, gen eds. I had uh -huh. to take like a gym or like physical activity course my first semester and my advisor never told me. So I actually waited pretty late in the game, like probably like the last week you could register for a class. And he was like, yo, you're missing this credit. You have to take something. So the only thing left is nutrition 101. And I was like, cool, because I did not want to do exercise. <laughs> so <laughs> he basically signed me up for nutrition 101 and by the end of the semester I was like I'm sold I want to be a dietitian I don't want to be a doctor anymore little did I know what it actually took to be a dietitian I had uh -huh. no idea there was a dietetic internship I had no idea all of the process it would take to become a dietitian um, but once I committed I kind of went like full force into it and um, I graduated started working um, in the community in Philadelphia as a Spanish speaking, you know, nutritionist slash dietitian once I got my, um, my RD license. And I realized like, there was just something missing while I was, you know, working in these communities, where it just felt like, you know, I, our cultural foods are not bad, right? Like I grew up eating this food every single day. I grew up with a mom who was a stay-at-home mom who cooked every single meal. Like I knew from the science standpoint that it wasn't bad, right? Mm -hmm. But coming from a dietetics, you know, schooling, they teach you kind of like our ethnic foods are, you know, higher in this and higher than that. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you've never watched it being cooked. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've never actually seen all the stuff my mom puts into this food. Um, so it was a, a, a really big struggle at the beginning because I'm like, there's just a piece missing here that I have no idea what it is. And one of my really good friends was like, you should start a uh, no, TikTok. God, no, that wasn't even a thing back then. <laughs> you zoomed forward um, a little bit there. I did. <laughs> I zoomed way, <laughs> way far into the future. Um, no, she was like, you should start an Instagram and I can help you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I started an Instagram and then for some reason, the only pages I was finding was intuitive eating and health at every size. And I was like, okay, this is definitely what I've been thinking my whole life and, or my whole career, but I didn't know there was a word or any research on it. I didn't know this was a thing. I thought I was crazy. Um, and I kind of like dove into all of the books and the research and was like, I can't go back. <laughs> like, this is it. This is how I'm going to have to practice the rest of my life. Cause I know too much. I'm in too deep. So I kind of switched, you know, the way that 
was counseling in my private practice, not by much. I mean, I was very much always, uh, you don't need to lose weight. Like you can be healthy and not need to, you know, intentionally lose weight. But a part of me would still help people celebrate like, oh my God, you did this, right? Or did that. Um, So it was very like midway, kind of like a fake intuitive eating at that point, (laughs) you know? Yeah, as, uh, as Fiona Sutherland would say, like sitting on the fence. <laughs> yes, I was definitely sitting on the fence at that point. But I also didn't know that intuitive eating health at every size was a thing, right? Like right. I was doing this on my own without even knowing. Uh-huh. Um, and then once I dove in, I was like, yeah, we got we to gotta stop this. And we just got to find what works for you and your health and not celebrate things like that, obviously, because that could be triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like completely switched, switched over. And I am here now. Yeah. It sounds like um, parts of your career and parts of the things that got you to where you are today were kind of like the stars aligning type of moments, right? Like way back at the beginning of your story, it's like, I missed registration for this gym class. I landed in nutrition. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and you start your social media and you're Mm -hmm. finding all of these accounts that are aligning Mm -hmm. with what you already know to be true. And then you realize intuitive eating is a thing and so it's every size so it sounds like um serendipitous in a lot of ways it it does it does I feel like a lot I feel like a lot of us deal with that too right like I think Mm -hmm. that it's not until you look back that you're like oh wow the stars really aligned there yeah (laughs) for sure you have to look back and think about it right but most of us don't go on podcasts and say say stories like this (laughs) yeah it's um, it's one of the many reasons why I love connecting with people in this format because it really gives a lot of space to share a story and learn someone else's perspective and um in a selfish way too it allows me to to learn a lot and and make a lot of connections but uh I have been following your content for a while I actually had the pleasure of meeting you in real life what seems Mm -hmm. like a lifetime ago (laughs) like it really wasn't that long ago what was it maybe a little yeah a little over two years has it been a full two? No, it was You're... 2019. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. It was fall of 2019. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So a year and so a it just and feel, you know, 2020 felt like five years. So <laughs> I think it, yeah, it was right before basically COVID. Like it was that September yeah. before, right? Yeah. It was so weird. I actually saw a photo the other day that was taken at that event of like, all these people in this room learning. All of us in my, the crowd. <laughs> yeah. My immediate gut reaction was like, why aren't they wearing masks? Like, why are they in a crowd? Right. But, uh, I had the opportunity to meet you before wearing masks Mm -hmm. was a thing. And, uh, (laughs) after following your content since that point now, something that I have realized is that you educate very regularly on the importance of, uh, including foods that are important to one's culture Mm -hmm. and why we don't need to be cutting these foods out simply because this big bad diet culture labels mm-hmm. them as bad or you know quote unquote off limits so would you mind sharing a little bit more about why you feel that is a really important part of of health and well-being is having that connection to one's uh foods and their culture yeah so i think that anybody that comes from a background that is different from that of the united states <laughs> can agree that we grew up kind of like in limbo. I think that as a first generation, you know, Dominican American, it was like, am I Dominican enough? 
am I American enough? It was like this weird, like in between of wanting to be like super American and eat like my white friends, right? Because that was like cool to me. And then coming home and mom having like rice and beans every single day and being like, you have to eat this. Um, <laughs> so I feel like food, we are very connected to the foods that we grew up. And sometimes like when we're kids or teenagers or whatever it is in that rebellious um, stage of our life, we don't realize how important it is mm-hmm. um but as a full-grown adult now barely um i've come to realize just the nostalgia and you know emotion that is connected to a lot of the dishes that my mom you know made growing up and now making them for my kids and you know there's just there's so much more than just food right mm-hmm. it's it's tradition it's it's passing these traditions down to to our children and our family and you know, looking back and thinking of like traditional dishes for Easter, which is coming up or like traditional dishes when we have parties or baptisms or any type of celebration, like my kids are going to know that because I'm going to pass them down to them. But what happens when diet culture steals that from you? What happens when diet culture tells you you have to healthify every single thing on your plate? What are you going to pass down to your kids? It's like you're your culture is going to be washed away and they're not going to have an identity to cling to when it comes to that culture because you changed up every dish trying to make it healthier. And, you know, something that I often talk about when I talk to the community here in Philadelphia is that, listen, just because you want to try new vegetables, right? Like broccoli. Broccoli is something that I feel like a lot of people want to try or Brussels sprouts or like asparagus, all of these, like to me, very American vegetables those don't fit well in our food. Like it just doesn't mix with a lot of the flavors and seasonings and things that we put in. And at least in my Dominican dishes, it just doesn't go well. So why are we going to completely overhaul a dish just to add broccoli? Why not find a cuisine that has broccoli native to it so that if you want to try that dish, you can try a dish where it's meant to be in and you can enjoy it and not completely change your culture. So I think that that's the way that I look at it. Like we need to stop trying to healthify every single thing that we eat when it comes to our cultural foods and really focus on, oh, I really like this particular ingredient. How can I add it to my day, but maybe trying a new cuisine where it's culturally appropriate? Or how can I spice it up in a way that I like it and have it every once in a while, but when it comes to like parties and celebrations, I can keep my traditional dishes there and pass on both to my kids, right? It It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be black or white. There could be a happy medium. Yeah. Something that I'm being reminded of is you're sharing, like there are just certain dishes that certain foods mm-hmm. don't fit well no. into and they're not meant to be there. The, yeah. the, meme, the meme that's coming to my mind, I don't know if you've seen these, there's like a thousand different iterations of them, but kind of joking, like, why does cauliflower have to wear so many different freaking yeah. hats? Like, why can't we just let it be let cauliflower it be. Yeah. and not let it try to be rice? <laughs> or, or a crust. Don't even get me started on the crust, right? And again, nothing inherently wrong with wanting to try a new or a different food, but I think you bring up a really good point of like knowing where these foods are going to fit and where it's going to feel appropriate and where it really is okay to um, keep a variety of foods that actually work in certain dishes and are representative of your culture. If you don't mind me asking, 
you mentioned uh, many of the the dishes that you make to celebrate certain events or Mm -hmm. things like birthdays or baptisms. Would you mind sharing, like if you had to choose one of your favorite dishes that you either grew up eating or you eat now, like what would that be? I'm just curious to learn a little bit more about Dominican cuisine. Yeah. So one of my favorite dishes, Dominican dishes, it's not something that it's just something you eat all the time. It's not something that is particular to one, um, one, um, holiday or it's not something that you would eat at a celebration either because it's very elaborate and um you can't feed a lot of people at once with it so it's something that's very individual that you would make for like your family on one day um but it's called dumpling which is basically dump dumplings um and so you just roll up the flour and make discs and then boil them and so you have these big discs of like dumplings they're not stuffed with anything they're just you know, floaty, delicious dough discs. Um, And then Dominicans love salami. So like Dominican salami, not like Italian salami. It's different. Uh I know. It's crazy. Um, And then you basically make like a broth with the salami. So you use like tomato paste, you know, oil, add tons of onions and peppers, um, and you make like a sauce out of it and then you pour it over the dumplings and you kind of like eat it with the broth. It's literally my most favorite Dominican dish. Um, and for a lot of people, you know, looking at it, they'd be like, well, there's not enough vegetables. I'm like, dude, do you know how many onions and peppers take to cut up to make this broth? Like that's a lot. <laughs> They're just yeah. cut up into little chunks. So again, we have this idea that our plates need to be set up as my plate make half your plates, mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables, a quarter of this, a quarter of that. But it's like, we don't, at least Dominican people don't eat that way. We put everything in one dish. So vegetables, what I'm putting in, all of those onions, all of those peppers, all of, all of that, you know, all of that in that broth, right? All of the nutrients are going into the broth. You're getting all the fiber from when you're chewing the veggies. Like you're getting them. They just don't look like the my plate. Yeah, my plate is... um. A rigid way of representing what a plate, quote unquote, yeah. should look like, right? But you yeah. bring up this idea of having this all in one bowl or one dish. Mm-hmm. We can identify different food groups, different mm-hmm. flavors, different nutrients, but it mm-hmm. just shows up in a way a that's different, different way. from like the the categories on the plate. And I have to say, as you were describing that dish, a Sounds delicious. I've never had it, but it sounds really good. And B, I can only imagine how good your house smells when you are making that. Oh my God. Yes. The broth smells so good. And then something else that they do with the dough. So sometimes when there's leftover dough and you don't want to boil it, you can fry it. And we, it's called ñañiqueques, which is such a weird word. (laughs) I love saying it. (laughs) But then you have the fried discs. And, and they're salty and delicious and doughy. Um, and then you, and you just eat it like that. Like you don't need to dip it in anything. You don't need to do it. It's so good. You just eat it. Oh, we love, we love carbohydrates, especially yes. when they're salty yes. and delicious. Yes. So good. It's like, it's, I can't, I can't even describe it. It's just amazing. <laughs> I love it. Building off of this, I have a question that's a little bit more maybe geared towards your work with individuals either in your community or in your private practice. Um, If you have someone who comes to you and is maybe struggling with 
making peace with a certain food that is really important to his, her, or their culture. And I know there's a lot involved in this, but what would you say are maybe some of the first initial steps in helping that individual to make peace with that food or to, to learn how to have a enjoyable relationship with it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the first fear is it's not healthy, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's the first reason, right? Like I can't eat this because it's not healthy. And I like to break it down by ingredients, just like we did with the dumplings, right? Like, okay, so how do you make this dish? What, what's in this dish? What kind of ingredients are in this dish? And let's talk about how it's filling and checking off all of the boxes that my plate probably wants you to check off. Um, and, or, you know, or the nutrition, right? Or, For instance, if they're trying to manage chronic disease, we can check off, well, this is how this nutrient is going to help you in this way. This is how that nutrient or ingredient is going to help you in that way. So you take the fear away. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's important again, and, and this is something that, you know, just drives me bonkers is that nutrition is very fear-based when it comes Mm -hmm. to like a public health, you know, standpoint, you can't eat this. It causes this. how about we just change it? Like, Hey, why don't you add more of this? It helps you with this. Um, and so that's how I like to, to kind of like change the change it from fear-based to fact-based and like abundancy, you know, based like, this is how this dish will help you with X, Y, Z. Um, and this is how these nutrients will help you with X, Y, Z. So you don't have to fear it. You can eat it and know that it's serving a purpose. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Like telling people instead of jumping to this conclusion of Mm -hmm. this food is bad, I have to Mm -hmm. cut it out and I can never Mm -hmm. have it again that you dig in a little bit more and you say, well, let's actually explore what's in this and what Mm -hmm. ingredients it has. And I love that you mentioned educating on the facts rather than playing the fear. Something that I do a lot with my clients when there is maybe Uh, a fear food or a nutrition myth, I think one of the best ways to unlearn diet culture is to actually have the facts around what certain foods actually do for us and um, how they fit into our lives and what they Mm -hmm. do for our bodies. I mean, would you kind of say, to put this in intuitive eating terms, would you say this falls into like the gentle nutrition category or where would you kind of um, put this? I think... I think it's a mix of gentle nutrition and food police, right? Because you're policing yourself (laughs) based on the fear that you have around a certain ingredient. So in order to kind of be able to walk away from that fear, you need to have that gentle nutrition component of it and understand how it plays a role in nutrition um, so that you no longer have to fear it and you can kick that food police to the curb. So I think it's a little bit of both. I agree. And I think um, you bring up a really good point. I think sometimes when people hear about the 10 principles of intuitive eating, Mm -hmm. you kind of view them as like 10 steps that have to be done Mm -hmm. in a linear fashion. I always tell my clients like, yeah, these 10 principles, as Evelyn Triboli says, she says, Mm -hmm. you know, they're guideposts, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we talk about one and then we're on to the next one and Mm -hmm. never turn back. I think all of it relates and it's really Mm -hmm. important to know when we do have to use some gentle nutrition knowledge to uh, make the food police piped out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So my, my next and and final question for you, because I feel like we've touched on um, 
a couple of different things. We talked about <laughs> cultural foods. We talked about gentle nutrition. You shared mm. um, the delicious, I'm not even going to try mm. to pronounce the name. Dumpling. <laughs> you say it way better than I ever could. <laughs> Um, but if anyone who is listening to this is maybe really resonating with what you were saying, like, oh my gosh, I have grown up to believe that part of the foods that were once so important to me and that my family made are now bad and I'm not allowed to have them. Like what maybe advice or parting words would you offer to that individual so they can start stepping away from that? Yeah, I think one, remember the feeling it gives you when you eat it or when you remember growing up cooking it or when you remember your mom, your grandmother, your aunts, family members, just the joy that it brought to make these dishes. I think that having that nostalgia really kicks back or kicks in and you're like, damn, like there has to be good in here, right? Like we need to stop thinking so much of the negative and, you know, and start seeing the good. Um, and then coming to it from a place of curiosity, right? Like, what about this food causes fear? Like, what ingredient am I fearful of? Um, how can I look up some gentle nutrition, you know, facts about this? How can I see it from a place of abundancy instead of a place of fear? And, you know, sometimes you can do that on your own, right? Very easily if you've been on this journey for a while. Um, or, you know, you could dm or ask someone for help i think that there's plenty of resources out here Um, there's plenty of us doing this work and we can definitely you know guide you through a little bit um, or even have resources that can guide you through it a little bit but you don't have to do it alone and if you feel like it's overwhelming uh, there's definitely something out there that can help you again view things from a curious place and i think that that's a that's something that i try to um do in just all aspects of my life like instead of being so judgmental being curious about the feeling and why why I'm feeling that way because there's always something right it doesn't just come out of nowhere there's always a reason so um, usually when it comes to food it's one particular ingredient (laughs) it's usually one thing (laughs) that throws you off in a dish so again being curious and asking yourself why And I think too, we can learn so Mm -hmm. much more about ourselves, about our relationships with food. If we Mm -hmm. do approach with that questioning and that curious type of mentality, rather than jumping into the food police or the can can Mm -hmm. and the shoulds and the shoulds nots, Mm because when we go into that space, we really squash our ability to be able to learn and possibly unlearn something that could be really helpful and helping us to, to make peace with food as we move forward. So um, you set me up like a bowling pin for my actual (laughs) final question. You were, you were just touching on sometimes the importance of having support and Mm -hmm. community and guidance in navigating some of this, especially if someone is maybe newer to this information. So I would love for you to take a moment and just plug A, where people can find you and Mm -hmm. where they can get more information about what you have to offer if they uh, want more on everything that we talked about today. Yeah, so you can find me on um, Instagram or TikTokie, like I like to call it. Um, and my handle is your, well, on Instagram is your dot Latina dot nutritionist, and on TikTok it's just your Latina nutritionist. Um, and I offer groups, I offer one on ones, um, I also have a podcast 
that you can listen to uh, for some free resources. Um, and you can find all of that in the link in my bios. <laughs> Pretty much find you on social media. Yeah. Uh, dots on Instagram, ditch mm-hmm. dots with TikTok, and mm-hmm. then all of the other information will be found there. Yeah. 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 Well, it has been so great talking to you. We haven't actually gotten to speak one-on-one since we met what feels like forever ago. Forever. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your super hectic, crazy, busy schedule and snow day to talk with us here on the Yours at Chuli podcast and my listening friends, that is all we have for you today. So we are going to sign off. Yours truly, Claire and Elena. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much again for tuning in to episode 127 of the Yours Truly podcast with myself and special guest Delina Soto. If you enjoyed today's episode or anything else that I share here on the podcast, I would be so incredibly grateful if you could take a couple of moments, however much time you have, to tap those five stars and leave a review. If you were listening here on Apple Podcasts, that is one of the best ways to help the show grow. And if you're not listening on Apple Podcast, no worries. You can always take a screenshot of this episode, upload it to your favorite social media channel. You can tag myself, at Claire Tuning. You can also tag Delina if you're celebrating or putting up today's episode. And her handle, again, is at your.latina.nutritionist. Hope to see you back here next Wednesday for another episode of the pod. But until then, take care, and we'll see you soon.